Welcome to the Clovercrest Baptist Church podcast. For more information about Clovercrest Baptist Church, go to clovercrest.com.au. I think of opposites that work. I think of bacon and maple syrup. Saltiness of bacon and the sweet, beautiful maple syrup, they go together so well, let me tell you. If you have not tried that, do yourself a favour this Christmas. You need to add that to your list of things to do on Christmas Day. But sometimes things that are opposite, they come together and they work really well. I think about having breakfast for dinner. Again, opposite ends of the day, but there is nothing wrong with eating your breakfast at dinner time. Or maybe when it comes to fashion, black and white, opposites, but they actually work and go together. And when we actually take two contrasting or opposite things and put them together as a figure of speech, that's known as an oxymoron. You might know some of these, things like pretty ugly, or same difference, or even minor crisis. I know a few dramatic friends that use that phrase, we've got a minor crisis. Or maybe things like a small crowd. I think only an extrovert would refer to a crowd as small. Or awfully good, or deafening silence. But a personal favourite of mine is Chicken Hero. Now, if you are my age, you might remember back in the 80s, you would go to a servo and you could buy a thing called a Chicken Hero. It was a baguette with chicken and lettuce and mayo. Chicken and Hero taste delicious, let me tell you. It was a great oxymoron to eat. But the word oxymoron itself is, in fact, an oxymoron. Because oxus is part of the Greek, which means sharp, and moros is Greek for dull, so the word is actually sharp dull. It's two ideas that are contrasting, brought together. And today, this idea of majesty in a manger, two contrasting ideas that somehow come together with great purpose and mean something. If you think about majesty... Think about royalty. It conjures up images of wealth and power and authority and sovereignty. Majesty speaks volumes to us. And then if we think about the idea of a manger, it conjures up images of lowliness, insignificance. A manger is an animal food trough. Scraps were found there. Idea of something being ordinary and poverty, really. These two contrasting ideas, wealth and power and majesty, ordinariness, poverty, manger. And yet they come together for purpose. They mean something because when we bring these two contrasting ideas together, it really shows us who God is and how he works. Because Jesus himself actually lived a life of contrast. In a lot of ways, Jesus himself is a walking, talking oxymoron. Jesus as God, as the King of kings in heaven, absolute majesty and royalty, chose to come to earth as a human, as one of us, as a baby that we celebrate at Christmas time. This baby found in a manger. Majesty into a manger. God, man, this oxymoron that Jesus was and is God and man at the same time. We actually read in the Bible in John 1, it says, God became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. 
God chose to leave the majesty of heaven, king of kings, all authority and power, and become a baby born in a food trough. Why would he do such a thing? Why would Jesus even choose to do that? And we we find the answer through Jesus' words himself. Reading in John 10.10, Jesus says, I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they, than us, ever dreamed of. Jesus himself says that he came to give us life, more and better life than we could ever dream of. Jesus left heaven to come down to earth to us, to bridge that gap, to make a way for life, a better life. Because us as humans in our brokenness and in our imperfection, we can't manage to strive to be good enough, to be right enough, to be perfect enough, to be in the presence of a holy God. But that's why Jesus came to earth as a baby. He came to make a way to bridge that gap. Majesty came to a manger because he loves us. See, his motivation was all about us. He loves us. He has and always had a plan to restore us into relationship with God. He's for us. Jesus' motivation to do that was never for himself, but he loves us. He's a servant king, a king that would choose to serve, to give up majesty, to be found in a manger because he loves us. And when we look at Jesus' life, when he was walking and talking and living this earth, he continued this idea of contrast and oxymoron. You see, Jesus loved the unlovely. Those are on the margins that people discarded, ignored, didn't care about. Jesus embraced and loved and cared for, and he still does that today. Jesus made the mundane miraculous. He made the mundane miraculous. He turned water into wine. Imagine how incredible your Christmas day might be if you could turn water into wine. Pretty mundane into miraculous, let me tell you. He fed 5,000 people with only five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus can do, he did, and he continues to do the miraculous. Jesus said the poor will be rich because the wealth we know here and now, it's fleeting, it's temporary. But true wealth actually comes through relationship with him. He says that we come first by actually coming last because it's serving that brings life, not selfishness. And Jesus said there's strength in weakness It's actually when we're honest and humble enough to recognize that we haven't got it all, that we're not God and that we need his help, that is when we are strong. I wonder this Christmas, what is the contrast? What is the opposite? What is the oxymoron perhaps that you actually need Jesus to bring into your life? What is the contrast that Jesus can bring? Where do you need Jesus to bring his contrast into your life this Christmas? Because that is what he offers each and every one of us. He lived it and he offers us so much more. I wonder where maybe you need to trade your pain for joy. I wonder where maybe you need to trade your brokenness for healing. A God that restores and heals and makes us whole. I wonder where maybe this Christmas you need to trade your anxiety, fears and worries for his peace. Or where maybe do you need to trade death for life. Because this is what Jesus can bring. This is what he offers and he promises a life, a more and better life. He brings the contrast into our life. 
We simply need to trust him, to follow him, to say yes to him. I wonder what is the contrast you need this Christmas? And the beautiful thing about Jesus is when we come to know him, he changes who we are. He changes us and we start to live a life of contrast. For those of us that know him, we get this opportunity to participate in what he's doing. And I wonder for us, how can we live the kingdom contrast this Christmas? What does it look like to maybe live as a servant as Jesus did? What would it look like to give rather than receive? to slow rather than to rush? What would it look like to bless rather than take and to choose to love rather than judge? What's the contrast we need that only Jesus can bring? And what would it look like for us to step into that new way of living, that contrast to live our lives differently? Because that's actually what he offers us so much more, this more and better life. Now, it's no secret that I love, love, love Christmas. And I also love to write out a bit of a Christmas wish list. Anyone else this year online, I wonder if you jump in the chat and tell us you've done a Christmas wish list. Anyone else, hands up, who has a Christmas wish list? You've written down what you're hoping to receive, maybe from friends, family, Santa. There's a few of you, well done, all of you organized people. I hope you get something on your list. Well, I have here my Christmas wish list this year. And look, I, I got a bit excited. I've got a lot that I'm hoping for them for this year. It's just a few things on my list there. Um, look, I'm a little bit excited to say that there's quite a few things I would like. There's some great things to eat, to play with, to enjoy, to wear. Like I'm keen as for a puppy. I just want to say, maybe any of my family or friends, if you're online right now, you might like to know what my list entails. But I love being able to write a fun list. And there are some incredible things on this list. But you know the reality is, the absolute best gift is not actually on this list. The best gift that any of us could receive, the best gift that I could have, that any of us could have this Christmas, is not actually on the list. Because the best gift is knowing Jesus, is everything that he offers, is knowing hope and love and life and forgiveness and freedom and peace knowing Jesus. And you know, this list, I write it out because, well, look, some of my family and friends might need a bit of help, of prompting of what I'm after, putting the brands and the places and spaces to get things. Truth be told, this year I've even purchased my gift for myself from my husband. I'm sure sometimes people have done that. But do you know the beautiful thing with Jesus is we don't need a list to tell Jesus what we need. The list becomes superfluous. Because you know, with Jesus, he knows exactly what we need. He knows exactly what we need each day of our lives because he made us, he designed us, he created us, and he loves us. He knows us better than we even know ourselves. We don't need a list for him. We simply need to follow him. And the beauty of receiving this gift of Jesus, we don't have to strive and grab and try and achieve and get the idea of contrast and opposite continues. It's actually as we surrender that we're saved. It's actually as we choose to surrender our lives that we say, I'm not God, I can't do this on my own. I, I need you, King Jesus, as we hand over our life. As we surrender, we're saved. We're saved from striving and trying to compete and perform and the rat race of life. We're saved from our own brokenness. We're saved 
into our relationship with a God who loves us and wants to bring that contrast into our life. As we surrender, we're saved. And that is when the more and better life begins.